and we'll all be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I will come again. John 14, verse 3. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 20. The Lord is coming again. His promise is sure. But what form will his coming take? What is the purpose of his return? Over the next two conversations on the Bible Truth Podcast, Bill Prost will give an overview of the Lord's coming in two aspects, the rapture and the appearing. Today we will focus on the rapture, the coming of Christ to receive his people unto himself. If you have any questions on this topic or on what we have covered in the past, please contact us at info at bibletruthpodcast.com. Welcome back to the Bible Truth Podcast. This time we're going to discuss the Lord's coming in two aspects, but today we're going to begin with the Lord's coming for his people. So, Brother Bill, whenever you're ready, please go ahead and get us started. Well, thank you very much, Josh. It's a pleasure to talk about the Lord's coming. It's a most happy subject. And I might begin by pointing out that in the Old Testament, Israel was given an earthly hope. It was dependent on their obedience, of course, and they forfeited that hope on the basis of their obedience. But when the Lord Jesus came into this world and presented himself as their rightful king, the crowning sin of Israel and ultimately of all mankind was to reject the Lord Jesus in every way. Israel said, we will not have this man to reign over us. But then what did God do? Oh, God always turns the failure of man into an opportunity for even greater blessing. And as a result, the Lord said to those who had forfeited an earthly hope, he said, I now am going to give you a heavenly hope. And so the Lord begins in John 14 by introducing something that had never been known before. And that is the fact that while he had to go away, he had to suffer and die and go away from them, that is, go back to heaven. Yet he says, I will come again. We might just read a couple of those verses. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. This hope began for the disciples and for the new believers in that day when the Lord Jesus ascended back to heaven. And from that point on, it has been the proper hope of every believer. Now, sadly, in a great deal of the history of the church, that hope was lost in the sense that the church did not live in the good of it. But God, through his grace, has seen fit to restore that precious hope to us back in the 1800s, about 200 years ago. And God raised up brethren who brought that truth back to our minds. The Lord is also coming back in judgment at a later date. And we'll talk about that in our next podcast. But occasionally in scripture, the two comings are put together because in a certain sense, they are one coming, although broken down into two different times, one for blessing for those who believe, one for judgment for those who do not believe. Today, we're talking mainly about the Lord's coming for us. And what a precious hope that is to be able to look up at any moment and expect the Lord to come. The important thing to realize is that there are no real signs for us of the Lord's coming. There's nothing that has to be done before the Lord could come. So that any believer at any time in the history of the church could look up and expect the Lord at any moment. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul could include himself among those who expected the Lord to come. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, and so on. Bill, you mentioned the two aspects. and I was thinking of Titus 2, 13. It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you say that the first part of that verse applies to the rapture, looking for that blessed hope, and then the second part to the Lord's coming to uh, take his kingdom at the appearing? Yes, very definitely. And thank you for bringing that in, Josh, because it clearly shows us that there are, in that sense, two separate comings of the Lord. And for you and for me, it is indeed a blessed or a happy hope. But then there's going to be that glorious appearing and that brings us to another point. The appearing is for judgment, and we won't turn to the scripture, but it says concerning that appearing, every eye shall see him. There will be no question about who the Lord is and what is happening. He will come in power and glory and with a display of power that all the world will see. And as we read in Revelation chapter 6, men will be frightened, and rightfully so. 
at the appearance of that glory because they know what it means, judgment. On the other hand, for you and me, we read in 1 Corinthians 15, and we might just turn to it, I'll read the verse, verse 51, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The Lord's coming for us will take place so quickly, literally in the twinkling of an eye, that the world will not see it. All they will notice is the sudden disappearance of millions of people. But Satan will have some kind of lie to cover it all up. I'm sure of that. But we won't talk about that now. And so the point is the world does not see the Lord when he comes for us. Those who are in their graves will be raised with new bodies, incorruptible. You and I, who have bodies, as, first, as Philippians 3 says, of humiliation, will have those bodies changed to be perfectly like Christ's, and will all be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then scripture says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a day that will be. One more point. Sometimes people get a little frustrated because the Lord does not come. And I can remember once being at a Bible conference where there were some questions asked and one young person said, we have been hearing for a long time that the Lord is coming. But he doesn't come. What's the problem? Why doesn't he come? Well, I asked the question. I said, well, I'd like a show of hands. How many at this Bible conference? It wasn't in North America. How many in this Bible conference have been saved in the last 10 years? And about half of the hands went up. Now I said, how many have been saved in the last 20 years? And three quarters of the hands went up. Oh, I said, you know, I was waiting for the Lord's coming long before 20 years ago. But aren't you glad that he waited for you? Well, that settled it. He understood. And you know, if the Lord doesn't come, it's because he's waiting for more to be saved. And so that's what you and I should be doing. We should be accounting that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, meaning simply that if the Lord is waiting a long time, he's giving time for more to be saved. Mm. And I believe two things have to happen before the Lord comes for us. Number one, his house must be filled. Heaven is going to be filled. Every seat there will be filled. None will be empty. But also the iniquity of this world has to reach its height. And you and I may wonder today how things could get much worse. But God knows what he can allow before the Lord comes. The changes that have occurred in this world since I was growing up are frightful. And anyone in my age bracket feels the same, that is any believer. But things could get worse. But the Lord gives the grace 
And when everything is at its worst, I believe the Lord will come. One or two more points that I believe are important. Number one, when the Lord's coming is presented, I don't believe it ever says, and then shall we go to heaven, or some such comment like that. Yes, we will be in heaven, no doubt about it. But it is always to be with Christ. I still remember the comment of an old brother who raised the question, have you ever wondered what we will do in heaven? He said, one comment settles that, Christ will be there. And that is true. Where he is will be supreme joy for all eternity. Yes, there will be glory there, but it is not glory that will be the most wonderful thing. It will be the fact that Christ is there, the one who loved us and died for us. Another thing that is important to remember in connection with the Lord's coming, and that is that as soon as he comes, we will no longer have an old sinful fallen nature. Now, of course, when a believer dies and goes to be with Christ, he no longer has that sinful nature at that time. But when the Lord comes for us, every true believer will instantly be perfectly like Christ. Never to have a wrong thought again. Never to think a wrong word or say a wrong word. Never to do anything sinful. No sin up there ever. What a wonderful thing that will be. And as I have mentioned, we will receive glorified bodies. Down here we groan, especially as we get older and the infirmities of life begin to catch up with us. And sometimes we suffer, even young people, with long-term illnesses that just do not go away. Some of them are very hard to bear. But the Lord gives us the grace. And when he comes, all of that will instantly be a thing of the past. One more little comment before we close, and that is, the Lord expects us to be not only waiting for him to come, but watching and expecting him every day. I remember well talking to a true believer with whom I went to high school. This was in more recent years when we were both older. He's still alive, and I know him well. I talked to him a bit about the Lord's coming several years ago when I was visiting with him. And I was a bit disappointed at his comment. He said, well, Bill, I hope the Lord doesn't come too soon. I have a good many things that I still need to get done down here. Oh, is there anything that in our minds and hearts would take the place of the hope of the Lord's coming, I hope not. There's nothing down here that should be so dear to our hearts that we say, well, I don't want to go just yet. We ought to be ready and willing and waiting to go at any moment. Well, thank you very much, Josh. Uh, 
do you have any comment or anything you'd like to bring out in addition to all that? Just based off of what you brought out, Bill, how the Lord's desire is for us to be not only waiting, but watching for the Lord to come. It brought to mind Luke 12, where the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he shall return from the wedding. Well, let me actually back up and read from verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Just, just the thought of that the Lord wants our hearts to be concerned and occupied with him and waiting for him to come. And the longer that he waits to come, the more precious it is that he has held our attention. Because as time goes on, the tendency would be for the servants who wait for their Lord to return from the wedding to turn to other things, whether to fall asleep or whether to go and do something else, because it's hard to sit still sometimes. But <laughs> for those who waited, who waited the whole time, and the, the later it got to the second watch or the third watch, it was more, it meant so much to him that these ones would wait until he came and watch for him to come. Thank you so much, Josh. I, I have often read and loved that passage. And the imagery is that of an Eastern wedding where the bridegroom went into the wedding. And sometimes those weddings go on quite late. The second watch would be from 9 p.m. to 12 uh, midnight. The third watch would be from midnight to 3 in the morning. And as you say, to stay awake at that time and be right ready if he came out and said, okay, let's go, you, you're right. It would mean a lot to him for those that had really been diligent and kept themselves awake or kept themselves from doing something else. May we be found, likewise, waiting and watching for the Lord to come, and that could be today. Amen perhaps today. Join us next time on the Bible Truth Podcast, where we plan to talk about the second aspect of the Lord's return, which is called the appearing of Christ. If you have any questions, please email us at info at bibletruthpodcast.com.